0: Welcome to the teaching ministry of Magnolia's First. To learn more, visit m1bc.org. Uh, today we're wrapping up our series. We've been kind of the past several weeks. We've been looking at different scenes through the life of Jesus, and and so we're we're wrapping up our series on the sacrificial lamb and the resurrected Lord. And and we kind of ended off last week with the uh, kind of road to Emmaus conversation, where Jesus met these two followers in kind of the middle of their confusion and their despair, and he he met them right in the middle of that space, and he did didn't leave them there. He, he began to uh, tell them how everything in the Old Testament and all the prophets and all the writings that they've probably grown up reading were all about Jesus. That everything was leading up to the death, burial, and the resurrection. And what was so incredible about this scene is that at first, as they were walking along with Jesus, their eyes were closed I don't know how that happens. I don't know how you can be walking with Jesus for three years in ministry and not recognize him, but apparently that's what was happening. And and so eventually God opened their eyes and they uh, discovered that we've been following and walking with Jesus all day. And so that led them to change. They had an encounter with Jesus and they changed. And they went from Emmaus and traveled through the night back to Jerusalem and were witnesses of the risen Christ. They were witnesses of all that he had already done. So as we come to this final scene today, we're going to be faced with a question that we have to ask ourselves. Will we be witnesses to the risen Savior or will we be a spectator? just watching the events take place and not have it really affect our day-to-day lives. So our big idea for the day is this, we are God's witnesses from here to the ends of the earth. And we celebrate the empty tomb every Easter, but in reality, that was just the beginning of the greatest redemption story ever told. That wasn't the end of events, that was the beginning of God's plan. That he set out way before creation was ever a thing, God had a plan. And we're not God's plan B. We're God's plan A. And we have this extraordinary scene taking place. And just to kind of give you a little bit of uh, a background or context to where we're going today, we're going to pick up right with the two followers from the road to Emmaus as they've made their way back to Jerusalem. They've connected with the other disciples in the, op- the upper room, and they're literally meeting them as they're locked away, probably scared, don't really know what's happening. They've heard reports of the risen Savior, but they don't know what to believe. And these two men are going to bust through the door and say, guys, it's all true. He is risen. He is risen. So pick up with me in Luke 24, verse 35. Then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road and how they had recognized them as he was breaking the bread. I, I love these two men, because you have to think of it, uh, the, the road to Emmaus, from Jerusalem to Emmaus, was a seven-mile walk. They didn't have cars, they didn't have Ubers, they didn't have horse, horses, uh, and, and they did, but they didn't have them um, like a horse and carriage. They had this walk, right? And so it was the middle of the night, they'd been walking all day, they meet with Jesus, and then the first response that they do is to turn around and travel through the night back to Jerusalem. They had seen the risen savior and they wanted everyone to experience what they experienced. I don't know about you, but I I love movies. I I love reading books. I I love watching sports. Like those are things that are really interesting to me. And so typically what I do whenever I watch a really good movie is I keep it to myself. And when I read a really good book, I'm like, you know what? I don't want anyone to know about how good this book is. So I'm not going to say a word, right? No, that, that's sarcasm. Jim's like, no, that's not what happens. No, we tell people when we experience something that has an impact on us, right? The Lord of the Rings movies came out like 20 years ago, and I still almost every week talk about them because they, were, they had an impact on my life. I, I loved the storytelling, and the books are even older than that. See, the, the truth is, is that we don't have an issue with telling people about something that we enjoy or something that we love. The issue is, is that we don't talk about the Christ as much as we should. He's like, well, that's just awkward, man. I don't, I don't want to offend someone. I, I, don't, I don't know what their beliefs are. You know, or, you know, I just don't really know how to do it. It's kind of confusing, and I'm not really sure how to get that conversation going. But I want you to think about this. How much more important is it to tell the world about our Savior than the last movie we watched or book that we read? How much more important and life-changing is telling the world about our Savior? We don't have an issue with telling people about stuff that we love, but sometimes we don't let that translate into our walks with Christ. Verse 36, I love what Jesus says here. And does here. As they were telling about it, Jesus himself suddenly was standing there among them. Would he just materialize in thin air? Like, I, I would have loved to have been here to see what happens here. And he says, peace be with you, he said. But the whole group was startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. Why are you frightened, he asked. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. You can see that it is really me. Touch me and make sure that I'm not a ghost because ghosts don't have bodies as you can see that I do. And as he spoke, he showed them his hands and his feet. I don't know about you, but right now, if I was talking and Jesus just suddenly materialized behind me, we would all be a bit freaked out, right? Who, who's with me? Who else would be freaked out? Yes, that would be insane. And what does Jesus say? Peace be with you, brothers. <laughs> what? I'm, you're the risen Savior. How am I supposed to not be affected by this? But I love what he does next. He says, look at my hands. Look at my feet. I am the risen Savior. Touch me and see the truth. And here's something that's incredible. You and I, we don't have the ability to physically see and touch the risen Savior like the the apostles did. But we have something just as good. We have the Word of God. We have the scriptures that talk about all that God has done, all that God has done for us, in the death, the burial, the resurrection. We have the whole story. And a lot of times, unfortunately, when we're struggling in life and we're going through a hard time, we run from the word of God. We run from fellowship. We run from the church. Instead of to the word of God. So I'm a visual person, so I I want you to put this visual in your mind that the word of God is like the outstretched hands and feet of Jesus, showing us who he is and what he has done. Meeting us in our fear, meeting us in our failure, meeting us in our struggle and say, look, touch and see that I am good. That is what our Bibles are. Verse 41 Still, they stood there in disbelief, filled with joy and wonder. Then he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he ate it as they were watching. I talked about this last week, but I really do believe that Jesus had a sense of humor. Just, just picture this scene, Jesus materializing in thin air presenting himself as the risen Savior, and the incredible story and the incredible picture that's taking place, and he goes, hey, guys, I'm a little bit hungry. Does anyone have a fish? Maybe, maybe a loaf of bread? I, I don't know why he re- revealed himself like that. I don't know why he ate a piece of fish, but I believe maybe he's trying to bring some levity to the situation. Maybe trying to lighten the mood. Maybe trying to say, hey, you know what? I'm not a ghost because ghosts don't get hungry, right? So give me some fish. I, I don't, this just seems funny to me. And maybe that's just because I find humor fun. And I want to see that Jesus is fun. So verse 44 I love what happens here. Then he said, When I was with you before, and I believe he's kind of addressing directly the two men from the road to Emmaus. They're like, Hey, didn't I just see you disappear in thin air just a couple days ago? And now you're appearing in thin air here? Like he's like, Yeah, it's me. I'm that guy. So then he says, I told you everything that was written to me or written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their eyes to understand the scriptures. And he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. See, after Jesus gets a little bit of food in his stomach, because that's, you know, it's easier to preach when you have a full stomach, I'd assume. He, he goes back through this Road to Emmaus kind of mini conversation and goes back and tells them, like, hey, all these books that Moses wrote, that's all me. All the prophets, that's all me. It's all about me and then something incredible happens. Jesus opens their eyes to fully understand, wow, it is all about Jesus. Everything that has been written so far was leading to this moment of the triumphant resurrection in the empty tomb. And this points to the same amazing truth that we talked about last week, that only God can open our minds to the truth of Scripture. Only He can open our minds. Did so you think of it? Before Jesus opened their eyes, they were just hearing facts about the Old Testament. But in that moment, the connection between their brain and their heart became clear and they finally understood. This is all about Jesus. And only God can reveal that to us. Verse 47. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations, beginning in Jerusalem. What message? Listen to this. There is forgiveness of sins for all who believe. And you are witnesses of all these things. And now I will send the Holy Spirit just as the Father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with the power from heaven. Hey, newsflash, if you're not awake right now, that is the gospel. That is the good news, that there is forgiveness of sins. There is healing for the broken. There is hope for the hopeless. There is eternal life for the one that puts their hope and faith in Jesus. And we, as Christ followers in the room, we are called to be a witness to that. We're called to be a witness of what God has done. And maybe you're here today and you don't have a relationship with God. I want to tell you, there is hope for you. There is healing for your pain, the longing in your heart, the things that you try to fill over and over again with things of this world, and you keep not being satisfied. There is satisfaction for your spirit. And it's only found on the cross of Christ. I want to turn quickly to the book of Acts, which was also written by Luke, uh, because he gives a little bit more context to this conversation and kind of gives us a roadmap for what it means to be a witness for Christ. And and when we talk about things like evangelism and missional living and sharing the gospel and all these things, I believe that Luke gives us a really clear picture of what that should look like. So turn with me to Acts chapter 1, and we'll start in verse 6. It says, so, when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. Verse 8, look at this. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, In Samaria and the ends of the earth. It's it's interesting to me that the first thing that the two followers on the road to Emmaus, and the first thing the apostles asked Jesus was, "Hey, is the time come for you to rescue Israel?" That was one of the first questions of Jesus, and in both cases, Jesus says, "No. It's your time. It's your turn to be my witnesses." It's your time to do what I've called you to do and be witnesses from here to the ends of the earth. I, I love that imagery of a witness because it reminds me of like a courtroom, right? Where there's someone that has been called forward to be a witness and they take the stand and they tell the judge, they tell the jury, they tell those in the courtroom all that they've experienced. That is precisely what we're called to do as Christ followers. We're called to tell the world what we've experienced through Christ. And I want to be honest with you here for a second. There's something that kind of frustrates me as a pastor. Can I tell you what that is? Is that okay? Is this a safe place? I think we as Christ followers, we make being a witness for Christ way more difficult than it has to be we like, well, I have to memorize all of the Scripture, and I need to be able to answer every single question that someone has. I need to pray for a week, and then I need to go off to some far-off location, and then I can share my faith. That's not what it's about. That is literally the opposite of what Jesus tells us is true. See, as Christ followers, each and every one of us in this room, We have a story that is unique to us that only you have. And God wants you to use that story to share the gospel. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to know all the scriptures. I love when Jesus healed the the, the blind boy and he's he's brought before all the religious leaders and they're like asking him all these questions, saying, look, look, guys, look, all that I know is once I was blind, but now I can see. That was his story. And he used that story to tell everyone what God had done. See, people can dispute things of the Bible. They can dispute historical facts. They can, they can look at things and like, yeah, hey, I don't know if I believe that, but what they can't dispute is your changed life. They can't dispute that. And this is a, another kind of tangent on this little track that I'm in right, real quick because I've got you here. Telling people about God can be awkward. It can be extremely awkward. And you, you fumble our words and not really know what to say. So maybe for you, it could just start with getting a pen and paper and just kind of writing out your story. This is what God has done in my life. And begin to share that story with people you love and trust and practice so that when God opens that door, you're prepared. You're prepared to share your story. You're prepared to be a witness of the risen Savior. Okay, tangent over, back to Acts. Uh, I love the roadmap that Luke gives us. And he says it starts in Jerusalem, right where Jesus said that it would start. And then it moves out to Judea, a little bit further from Jerusalem, but still kind of local area. And then he says it moves into Samaria, which is very interesting, because if you know anything about Jews and Samaritans, they hated one another. They saw each other as unclean. But what does Jesus say? Hey, be my witnesses to people that hate you to people that are different than you, to people that it's difficult to reach, and then to the ends of the earth. I think of it this way, is that when you throw a rock and and water, that place where the rock hits is that Jerusalem. Then from there, what happens? It's a ripple effect that moves out to the ends of the earth. But guess what? It has to start in Jerusalem. It ha- you have to throw the rock. You have to be a witness to get that whole process going. So my question for you today, and the question I want you to answer before you leave this place, is where is my Jerusalem? Where is the place that God wants to call me to, that he can only use my story and my experiences to reach a people for his glory? And each one of us in here, it's different for us. I have a different story than you. God's going to call you to a different place. He's going to call me to. But we have to start somewhere. And if we call ourselves Christ followers, we are missionaries right where we're sitting. Right where you're at today, you're a missionary. You're not a missionary when you go on a mission trip. Well, you are, but you're, you get what I'm saying? It's both. When you go on a mission trip, you're a missionary, but also when you're pumping your gas at the gas station, you're a missionary too. When you're doing the mundane day-to-day life things, you're still a missionary. And we've convinced ourselves that being a missionary is something that we go off into some far location and do one time, and then we come back to our normal lives. Let's finish our story in verse 50. It says, then Jesus led them to Bethany. He lifted his hands to heaven and he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. So they worshiped him and then returned to Jerusalem filled with great joy. And they spent all of their time in the temple praising God. And I believe praising God and waiting for the coming of the Holy Spirit that Jesus promised. Because when that happens, they would receive power then they would be witnesses. See, the apostles thought that Jesus was coming to rescue Israel, but his plan the whole time was for them to make disciples. And his plan all along was for us in this room that call ourselves Christ followers to make disciples. We're not plan B. We're not, oh man, I messed up and this, this didn't happen the way I wanted to, so I guess I'll use those people. No, God wants you to be used. So we have a question to ask ourselves. Will we make that choice? Will we be a witness or will we be a spectator? And sadly, we have too many spectators. Far too many spectators, but it's time to change that, guys. It's time to be a witness for Christ from here to the ends of the earth, using your story to make an impact. As we close, I want to read the Great Commission in the book of Matthew, and I want to leave you with one next step challenge that I hope will help you take uh, uh, the next step that you need to in your faith journey. Turn with me to Matthew 28, verse 18. Says Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. Anytime I get to teach this section of Scripture, I get a little giddy, right? I get it, kind of excited. Well, you're a missions pastor. You should. Well, of course, yes, but it's because God makes things so clear for us. Go and make disciples. That's it. That's what being a Christ follower means. Go and make disciples. So I want to focus really quick on that word go because I think it means something different than most of us think it means. Well, of course, Jeff, if I, if I go on a missionary, then I'll make disciples. If I go on a mission trip, if I go do this, then, then when I'm in that place, I'll make disciples and then I'll just come back to my normal life. No, that's the exact opposite of what it means. It would almost be better translated to, as you are going. As you are going about your day-to-day ordinary life, you are to make Disciples as you're going to the grocery store, as you're going to school, as you're going to work. Well, man, oof. I don't want those people to know I'm a Christ follower. That will be kind of awkward because then I might have to actually live like a Christ follower in front of them. And I don't want to do that. I just want to kind of do what I've been doing this whole time. It's a lot, let me say the news flash real quick. It is a lot easier to go to China in a closed country and be a Christian there than it is to be a Christian in your day-to-day life. Because there are people that see you at your worst. It's easy to put your best foot forward and do all the right things when you're on a trip. It's much harder to live for Christ every single day. So I want to combine these two thoughts that we've kind of been talking about, and and I, I, I posed the question last week, what does the empty tomb mean for our lives? And I'm going to answer that question right now. Being a Christ follower means we are God's witnesses, making disciples as we are going from here to the ends of the earth. That's it. That's what we're called to do. There's a lot more to being a Christ follower. But that's like step one. That's step one. And how do we, you're like, maybe you're like, well, how do I make a disciple? Uh, by sharing the gospel, there's no other way. There's no other way. Now, God can reveal himself to someone and they can accept Christ in that miraculous way. But nine times out of 10, it's a Christ follower being obedient and opening their mouth sharing the gospel, making a convert, baptizing them, teaching them the scriptures, teaching them to obey God's commands, and showing them that they're not alone. So when Jesus ascended into heaven, he left his followers with the task, make disciples and be witnesses. And if you're in this room today or watching online and you call yourself a Christ follower, you have that exact same task. Nothing's changed. God wants you to use your story to make disciples. He wants you to use your story to make converts. He wants you to meet him in what he is already doing and bring glory to his name. Considering all that we've been talking about this last few weeks, considering all that Jesus has done, his death, burial, and resurrection, and then his proclamation to you as a Christ follower, the answer we have to ask is, what are we going to do? So I want to leave you with one challenge. Find your Jerusalem and meet God in what he is already doing. Find the place that God wants you to be a witness. Because each of us in here today are watching online or listening to the podcast. You have a place that God has called you to. It's time to get in the game and be his witness. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're not yet a Christ follower and you have a lot of questions. And you're like, well, this all sounds way too good to be true. Please c- come forward and talk to us after the service. Our deacons We'll be up here to pray with you. I'll be up here in the hospitality room afterwards. Don't leave today until you do some work with God. I'm going to tell you this right now. He is the only answer to the longing in your heart. He's the only solution to everything that feels broken within you. And he wants a relationship with you so badly that he sent his son to die for you and to take away the penalty of death. I don't know, for everyone else in here, I don't know where your Jerusalem is. I wish I could just look out there and say, hey, you go there, you go do this, you go to that, you go to that. You, I can't do that for you. You have to do the work and find out where God has called me to. Maybe for some of you, it's your next door neighbors. Maybe a few students in the room, it's your classmates, the people you go to school with every day that God wants you to be a witness of what he has done. Maybe it's your coworkers. Heaven forbid it be your family. Then man, I don't oof, that's really hard. They know the worst parts about me. How am I supposed to be a witness to them? Maybe you want to get more involved with missions work here at the church. We have so many opportunities, just to name a couple. Uh, Here in a couple weeks, the SOS puts on a program called the Summer Snack Program. And maybe for you, you could just go and help hand out food to those in our community that need help. Maybe on the third Sunday of each month, you want to join our Fulton Place Homeless Ministry and just go downtown and, and help those that need help. Maybe you want to join our missions prayer team that we meet once a month and just kind of talk about and pray over our missionaries. Maybe for some of you, you want to go a little bit further from home and join us in Cuesta towards the end of the summer as we're planning a trip to go up to help Jesse with the sports camp and the BBS. I don't know where God's going to call you to. And if you, want, if you want to know more information about any of those or any of our missions opportunities, or Jeff, I just need to do something, then come and find me afterwards. I will put you to work. We've got a lot of work to do. And we have a lot of opportunity. It's time to get in the game, guys. the time of being spectators and sitting on the sidelines and watching life go by and coming here and doing our prayer and worship thing and then going home and not letting anything that happens here affect our real lives, that time's over. And that's not meant to be a harsh criticism on anyone. That's just a reality, guys, that there are people right now that are going to hell because no one is willing to share the gospel with them. We are God's witnesses from here to the ends of the earth. Let's pray. Father, I just come before you right now, and I pray, Lord, that you would use this message to stir hearts, Lord, not because of words that I said, but because of your Holy Spirit leading, God. And I pray as we close in this final song that we would just do some work with you, God, and we would find our Jerusalem and get going, God using our stories to share with those we love who Jesus is. I'm going to pray this all in your son's name. Amen. So closing this final song, our deacons and their wives will be up front or in the balcony. And if you want someone to come pray with, please come join us. Thank you.